0: Comforting. Now this is Psalm 23, but in Proverbs 23 it talks about a rod as well. Proverbs 23 verse 14 says, "Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell." The correction of God saves us from a much worse fate. Now it's unclear whether the rod and the staff are two different things, or it's just an example of the rhyming ideas which shows up in the Psalms and in Hebrew poetry. Um, Some have said that the rod was sort of a club that was carried on the shepherd's side, and the staff was more of the walking stick, one used for guidance of a gentler sort, the other less gentle. Either way, it should go without saying that it is the shepherd who wields the rod, and he does so for the benefit of the sheep. We have this mention of the rod in the context of the valley, but how do you think the the shepherd led the sheep to the still waters, or the green pastures? He was still holding the same stick. He didn't like Put that one down and get his, you know, his mean stick or something for the sheep. In Micah 7 verse 14, it backs this up actually. Micah 7:14, God's people are once more compared to a flock of sheep. And the prophet says this, feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage. The authority of the shepherd, the guidance of the shepherd, the wisdom of the shepherd, even the correction of the shepherd brings us, the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand into times of refreshing from the Lord where our souls are restored thinking of a rod being used for both comfort and correction, it's hard not to compare these tools with the scriptures, right? There's nothing on earth that gives comfort and help and food for our souls like the word of God, but the word of God is profitable for reproof and correction. The Bible's a Swiss army knife, right? It's the original multi-tool, a staff of God. It brings correction and comfort wherever needed. One more thing about the rod. Um, it would often be uh, a sapling or even a sucker that had come out of an old rootstock. Um, and the, the Lord God is, is the shepherd and he has a rod, a young tree that gives comfort. Now in light of that, listen to Isaiah 11 verse one, there shall come forth a rod out of the root of Jesse. Who's the rod? Sunday school answers only please. Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's the shepherd. He's the food and the drink for the sheep. He is the peace. His presence brings comfort. He is even the rod. Let's go on to verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Saying my cup runneth over is a turn of phrase. Saying like, I have almost too much. I have so much good, it's too much. I can't even hold it all. I have more than I could want. I have more than I could ask for. He has given exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. He's given, you know, pressed down and overflowing. Now, at first glance, or maybe your hundredth glance, in my case, the first 33 years of reading this psalm, none of this has too much to do with sheep. Why did we switch gears here? It's always felt to me like this verse is a curve in the road and we're not talking about livestock anymore for some reason. Actually, we are. Um, What is the table that the shepherd prepares? That's the summer pasture up in the mountains. In various languages, a high plain is called a table. Think of mesa. Interestingly, and probably unimportantly, the word for table is mesa in Spanish and Swahili. So you're welcome to go down that mysterious linguistic rabbit hole on your own time. When the shepherd brings the sheep to the pastures, he will often go before them to remove hazards and to make sure it's a good spot for the sheep to eat. The shepherd prepares a table for the sheep. But When he takes them from the home pasture, as we mentioned in verse 4, he needs to take them through the wilderness areas where there's predators, uh, maybe a different kind of predators than at home. But the shepherd is confident. He's confident enough in his own strength and abilities to defend his sheep from whatever might come to harm them. And because the shepherd is confident, the sheep can be confident. We see this kind of confidence when David speaks to King Saul before fighting Goliath. I'll read you First Samuel 17:34. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there was a lot there are a lion or a bear and took a sheep from the, a lamb from the flock, excuse me, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Whoa! That's so cool. That's confidence. He's like, I can take him. Like, whatever comes for the sheep, like, I can handle it. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Why? He's like, because I I can take him. Because I can take him. How about this uh, kind of confidence we see in our good shepherd, in Jesus, in John 10, verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's Confidence. The Lord is confident that he is able to keep what is his. And his confidence will often reveal our lack of confidence on it. Because while our shepherd will lead us to a place where he knows the food is good, he knows it's a place where we will grow and be healthy. We look around and see the enemies, the risks, the dangers. And if we are less than trusting sheep, we might ask, are you sure about this? We had a. We used to live at home where everything was flat and there were fences. And uh, you took us on this long way. Uphill both ways, and now there's lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, and you think this is a good spot for lunch? Yeah, yeah, the shepherd knows. (laughs) He knows, like Paul knew, that a great and effective door often brings many adversaries, and he knows how to protect you from them and all that would damage your soul. Now, when we think of the enemies of sheep, we're probably thinking of something with claws and teeth and a big appetite, right? And something that David can grab by the beard and show it who's boss. And certainly, sheep are in no shortage of those kinds of enemies. I mean, what natural defenses does a sheep have? Uh, A thick skull, it turns out, is literally the best thing it's got going for it. A brave ram might go against something and just charge it head on. But if your two options are to run towards the threat or run away from the threat, and the threat is a lion, you've got two bad options. Like, that's just not, not a good setup. A sheep needs a shepherd or their lunch. But there's another category of enemy that you might not think of unless... Uh, they're your enemy as well, and that's bugs, flies, parasites. In summertime. If you follow the course of this passage, it it seems to follow this journey from you know off season pasture into into summer, and they're going through the valleys up to the mountains. Well, you guys have been to the mountains, you know what happens there, bugs. Uh, and this, you know, they take them up through the valleys and the the crevices to the mountains, where some of the smaller sheep would be carried away by mosquitoes, and some of these, you know. Paras- parasitic skin diseases that sheep can get, and actually there's there's some that are spread from their from head to head because sheep go greet each other and they bump heads with each other. Um, there's other diseases that can kill a sheep that are due to the larva of flies. A fly will lay its eggs on the sheep, somewhere on its face, and the larva will burrow into its brain. And sheep have been known to hit their heads against trees and other sheep and other things to try and scratch the itch that's on the inside. And in extreme cases, a sheep will even kill itself in an attempt to get away from the irritation. What does that sheep need? needs bug spray, right? What does the shepherd do to keep these head illnesses away from the sheep? He anoints their heads with oil. Now, I understand what's more common today is you just go ahead and dip the whole sheep. Right, the whole thing underneath the the pest that's gotta be tons of fun for the sheep. But this practice of anointing the head of the sheep with some sort of oil was in practice until very recently. Still may be the norm in less developed countries where dipping or where dipping the sheep is unavailable. But the shepherd knows how to take care of the sheep from getting its head in trouble. Paul talks about taking every thought captive, about the renewing of the mind, and I think of those pests that can get deep into the head of the sheep and just drive it crazy. The Lord knows how to keep this from happening. And of course, oil throughout the Bible is this beautiful image of the gentle Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit on us that keeps us from this kind of torment and evil. It is the Spirit of truth who renews our minds, who literally gives us the mind of Christ, as First Corinthians 1 says, and Philippians 4 says the mind of Christ is this humility of serving others. Now, of course, the anointing with oil usually carries with it ideas other than just medicine or insect repellent, right? Kings are anointed with oil. Priests are anointed with oil. A less common example, lepers who had been cleansed and are being brought back into the community are anointed with oil. These are sacred, holy things. And of course, King David had been the recipient of this kind of sacred anointing. Think of young David, a shepherd. Shepherd boy being called in from the pastures, to see an old man named Samuel. And Samuel has David kneel, and then he pours a horn of oil on his head. This would be more than a little bit of oil. And the shepherd boy is thinking, is this for bugs? Like, I've done this before. I do this with sheep. This is what you do to keep the the bugs? I don't know if that's what he thought at all, but it seems clear that he thought of it eventually. (laughs) David forever saw himself as a sheep, and he wondered and marveled at the generosity of God who would anoint a sheep and make him a king you are a kingdom of priests a royal priesthood kings and priests are anointed and your savior the shepherd of your souls has anointed you with the holy spirit he is a good good shepherd surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever The sheep is content. The sheep is confident in the care he will receive from the good shepherd. How does the sheep know that goodness and mercy will follow all the days of his life? Because he knows where he's going to be all the days of his life. In the house of God. And of course, one reason is that he knows the past faithfulness of the shepherd indicates future faithfulness. This sheep has already been through the valley of the shadow of death. He's felt the rod or seen what it could do. He's laid down in the green pastures, he's enjoyed still waters, but his confidence is not just a calculation based on previous results. This sheep believes in the strength of the covenant the shepherd had made. That word mercy there is sometimes translated loving kindness, and it is a word at the core of the covenant that God had made with his people Israel. It is God's love for people, plain and simple. And one characteristic of this loving kindness is simply that it will not change or ebb and flow. It will forever be with us. You've read the idea, memorized the idea, sung the idea. Your mercies are new every morning. Or how about the the Psalms like Psalm 118, which says over and over and over and over again, at the end of every verse, your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. David the sheep didn't invent that idea either, but he received it and he believed it. And David wasn't saying, things will be easy from now on, we made it home. What he's saying is that the shepherd keeps his promises. And that this loving kindness is something true about who the shepherd is. He is a good shepherd. And just like we've seen that God himself shows up in these metaphors of the shepherd's trade, We know that this love, this goodness, is not something adjacent to the Lord. It's not something incidental. No, God is love. When the shepherd is following you, then goodness and mercy are following you. When the shepherd is a good shepherd like ours, we can heave a joyful sigh when we say, I will dwell in his house forever. We will be with him forever because that's how long his love for us will last. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because eternity is the only scale by which we can measure his care for us. Let's pray. God, eternity is not long enough to get to know how much you love us, uh, but we're we're willing to start right now. We see your care, we've seen your care, we have testified of, of how deeply you care for us, Lord. And we, we know that all you have, all we have need of, your hand has provided, so we, we shall not want. God, we pray for our church. We pray for each other, that you would give us times of refreshing from the Lord. We want, of course, the green pastures and the still waters. Um, Lord, we, we pray uh, for those in the valley of the shadow of death, that they would fear no evil, that your rod would comfort them that the table that you are preparing for us, even in the presence of enemies, uh, would be our hope and would be something that we would, um, would enjoy. We pray for your Holy Spirit. We pray for your Holy Spirit that has been poured out for us. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts. But we pray, come Holy Spirit, let goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. We rejoice in your presence, good shepherd. We rejoice in your care for your sheep bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A reminder, we've got prayer tonight and every Sunday night right here. You can talk to Nancy about details. Go ahead and stand up. People praying up front. Yes, that's something you guys do. There's going to be people praying up front too. Never enough Mm -hmm. prayer. Let's just keep that up. I bet we could even pray in the back if we wanted to, but yeah, we'll just start at the front. I'll yeah. yeah. oh, start. People, if you need prayer, come up and get it. I'd be happy to pray with you. Praise God, God from, from whom all blessings, all blessings flow. flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, here below. Here below. Praise Praise Him, Him above ye heavenly, heavenly hosts. hosts. Praise. Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, sheep, you're sent. I'm gonna go see Patrick and Vicki. <laughs> Sí. <laughs> um.
1: Okay.